Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. You be nice to her. I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Now, I don't want to out Veronica, but she's sick. (laughs) (laughs) See? See? I'm glad I did. You made me laugh and it made me cough. Yeah, now you know uh, when you hear the cough. Uh, You're you're not deadly sick, but, but... I don't think so. You're a trooper, still doing the show. Still doing the show. Well, I mean, I I, I I literally got sick at like one o'clock this afternoon. So I had, I mean, I don't even know what I would have, what I would reschedule the show, yeah, I guess. I mean, we could, I guess. Do people we're, do that? We're our, well, we'd have to ask all the patrons. I was about to say we're our own boss, but really the people on Patreon are our boss. Be like, guys, guys, can I? And can then we we'd be... have to wait to hear from every single one of them. Every single one of them. I know. We really need a better process for this, yeah. this whole system. We need to talk to of, HR about the changing, recording structure. Changing the recording times. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. Um, it, it's so bizarre how it can just really come out of nowhere. Yeah, it happened. I was to, fine I, when I woke up this morning. My wife had the same thing. One day it just like slammed into her. This one hits you fast. All right. Well, hopefully it'll it'll get out of me fast, too. That's what I'm hoping for. That's um, what you just said. That is, you know, it went through my mind. It came out my mouth. That's what I said again. Which literally is what you said. I literally, it's still happening. I'm still saying the things. Uh, I'm not drinking. Uh, And in solidarity, nor am I. Okay. We could just get rid of that segment. Let's just jump right into the quick burn. Silvana, who is among the many heroes who post things on quick burns for us to talk about. You guys are great. Uh, said, just in case it's not yet in this thread, there's a website containing timelines of everything science fiction and fantasy from books, comics, movies, TV shows, etc. called alltimelines.com. The All Timelines site organizes popular franchise chronologies uh, created by former Screen Rant writer Jason Hamilton. As the title suggests, it collects a multiple fiction universe histories from Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who, just to name a few. If you click into one of those chronologies, you can filter the timeline to show only the items you want to see. Like, I just want to see the TV episodes. I just want to see the books. Uh, for maximum convenience, it's also possible to sort by date, author, or name. It is insane. In fact, oh my goodness. the only criticism I could think of was made in our Quick Burns thread, and now I, I, I'm not looking at the thread, so I can't remember who, uh, but that was that I just want to see them all combined into one Uber timeline now. This is really fascinating. I mean, I'm in the Doctor Who timeline right now. And it, it's it's organized by doctor, of course, correct timeline, sure. mostly for the most part. But even that, it's getting all timey wimey. I mean, I'm having trouble figuring out some of this stuff. But I, I am impressed that he also has a buy link for every single episode. You want Dune? You want Forgotten Realms? You want Lord of the Rings? It's in there, all of it. This is really well. And what I love too is that the website looks like it's out of it's from 1995. Like the website itself, like the the design. I mean, it really looks like pre, oh pre, now like MySpace era in a good way. I think it looks more two thousand one. Mm. It doesn't have any animated under construction gifs, for goodness sake. 
but it feels like it could. It definitely has it a. Really it, it definitely has like a very, from a simpler time design, but it's also very it. usable because of that. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's oh god, I love this. I could spend hours on this website. I hope he's making bank on this because there are Amazon affiliate links just littered <laughs> littered throughout this. I and was like, what are you the talking? amount of work he's done, uh-huh. like he click on be some links, some folks. Get, click on some links, buy some stuff. Get on over there to alltimelines.com if you're about to buy a television. <laughs> Fiona says, I don't know if someone else had posted this yet. Uh, BBC Radio 4 is doing Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere Story, How the Marquis Got His Coat Back. You can listen to it on November 4th. I assume that that was the correct sk- spelling and not How the Marquis Got Biz Coat Back, <laughs> which is what Tom maybe wrote or maybe. Oh, Fiona oh you're going to throw thread. me under the bus for cut, cut and pasting and thereby make throw Fiona under the bus. Haha. <laughs> Place. My problem is I don't know how to how to mute my audio. I don't have a cue button to like mute me on my side uh, through audio hijack. So I'd have to like literally stop recording and then restart again, which would screw up my timeline. So I'm really doing my best to cough away from the microphone. You know, just like chocolate rain, I, I turn away from the mic yeah. to take a breath. And In the fine and tradition so of Tazon Day. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to maybe um, edit out my coughs afterwards if I remember. All right. How's that? Uh, But yeah, if you go to BBC, uh, there's a link in the show notes to how the marquee got biz coat back. It's beautiful. It's remarkable. It's unique. It's the color of a wet street at midnight. And more important than any of these things, it has style. Yeah. Radio 4 presents... The next story that we should go to before I make a fool of myself trying to do an English accent. Nokomis.fl has the Hollywood Reporter story that Deadpool director Tim Miller will not direct Deadpool 2. And you may say, Tom, you're the one that's always like, we're not a comic book podcast. Uh, Why are you bringing this up? Because instead, Tim Miller is going to direct the adaptation of Daniel Suarez's novel Influx. Yeah, this really, this whole thing buried the lead because I I came across this article a, a couple days ago and I was like, oh, man, that's too bad. Like, oh, that's unfortunate. I really I love Deadpool because he had creative differences with Ryan Reynolds, who, of course, is the, the producer and who kind of brought this whole thing to life, uh, the first film and now the second film. But it was Tim Miller's idea to release that found footage kind of stuff, that off-the-cutting-room-floor footage that, that kind of stirred the pot and made everyone so interested in Deadpool in the first place. Um, but yeah, something something happened between the two of them. It, it seems amicable um, from what the from what the article said. But at the very end, it's like, and instead he's going to direct something called Influx by Daniel Suarez. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we don't rad. we don't really care about the rest of that. Ryan Reynolds, fine. Tim Miller, I'm sure you guys will be great. You'll be having drinks at the Hollywood Hawaiian Hotel or something, whatever you do over there. But yeah, I want to see a movie version of Influx big fan of Daniel Suarez and Tim Miller as the director with the whole found footage thing fits right into the influx thing. This is amazing. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm a little worried that maybe it's going to be too intense for me to see. You should never say that. I don't know why. Yeah, I know for a fact. No, I I know. I did not watch Walking Dead this week, even though I know exactly what happened. Yeah, no, you should not watch Walking Dead. You should just have someone. Ryan called me and said, hey, you you don't watch this episode. This episode is definitely not for you. 
Yeah. So it's not, I'm, I'm be spoiled. It's fine. Yeah. I know exactly what happened in terrible detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think I need that image in my, in my mind. You know what you should have done? You should have just watched, in my mind, you should have just watched the talking wait, dead. Wait, 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 Tom. Yeah. In my mind's eye. <laughs> okay, that was worth it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Rest in peace. Um, his pieces. His. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Oh. Anyway, yes. Um, Ian wrote that. Uh, like this. This is not oh, funny. Unfortunate. This is very not sad. Unfortunate uh, timing. Because I'm. I'm very. I'm. I actually. I don't talk about her a lot, and I haven't read nearly as much of her stuff as I would like. Uh, but I have great admiration for Sherry Tepper, the author of Grass, and uh, Sherry Tepper has passed away. Uh, Scalzi, John Scalzi, had an excellent write-up. Uh, in memoriam of her recommending the book Grass, and Ian agrees. Ian says Grass is a really interesting science fiction novel with very alien aliens, well worth reading. I strongly recommend it. Uh, So it's too early for me to pick the January book, but Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely put a note down in our planning document, if not January, for whatever reason, uh, to, to put Grass by Sherry Tepper on the list of things to read in a laser month soon. I was also just fascinated reading about her her life and really how writing came kind of in the second part of her life after she had been married and had a couple of kids and and then got divorced and, and worked a couple of different jobs and just what an interesting life she had and all the different kinds of things she did from running a guest house in the Southwest to being a secretary and it was it was really really fascinating and and just what an amazing bibliography of works that that she put out in her lifetime um i i saw a lot of authors talking on twitter about how meaningful her works were to them and i i i thought that was really nice to see um so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to to reading some on on our, on our time as well i think that's that's a that's a really nice thing to do yeah, I, I was introduced to her when I was working at Half Price Books in Austin, Texas, uh, by a couple of the folks I worked with there. And I, I have fond memories of that introduction. So you will be missed, Sherry Tepper. Uh, Sandra says, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was reading because I didn't. I wanted to save your voice, but go for it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Sandra says, uh, you can now vote on the name for the YA Award to be given out at Worldcon along with the Hugo Awards. You can read about the controversial topic here and vote as well. So this is over on uh, the Mary Sue. Um, They say, despite struggling to be taken seriously by some, young adult fiction has been outgrowing its own age-based moniker for a while now. So this is pretty cool, I guess. So they're going to be... They're having a separate award. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, so figure out well, explain this yeah, how this works. Tell me if you would like me to explain. All right. So it seems the Hugo categories are divided by length, and no one work may be eligible for multiple Hugo awards. So that means that the YA award must be technically a separate award from the Hugos and get its own name. And the committee is looking for that same fan passion to help decide on an appropriate title. 
Um, so it's the name of the award is what they're looking yeah. for. They just need a new award. They want you to nominate names and it's not a vote. You fill out the mm-hmm. form and you say, this is what I think it should be named. And then you have to tell them, why do you think it should be named? Then you have to tell them, what's the last young adult book you read? Why do you like reading young adult fiction? You know, you have to answer some questions to prove to them like, hey, I'm invested in this genre. Uh, and and yeah, you you totally hit what Sandra promises to be the controversy, which is the fact that it can't just be a regular Hugo Award uh, because length is the determiner there. So a young that adult... That doesn't make any sense. Well... It, it, it does to me, because what the Hugos are saying is, from the very beginning of the Hugos, we have defined things as we're, we're, we're not going to discriminate based on subjective matters. We're going to say the novel is this word count, the novella is this word count, the short story is this word count, and then we're going to pick winners for that. And, and that's just the way they set it up. So to say young adult, you're like, well, now we're splitting hairs that are subjective, so we can't call those Hugos but let's have them be awarded by you know the 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 association the way the Campbell is. The Campbell's not technically a Hugo either for the same reason. What but what I don't understand what the reason is because length? No, the reason is cuz the Hugos defined their awards by length and then you'd have to start changing it. Once you start opening that door, then it's like, well now is it a Hugo? Like it just gets messy. Like I think it's very orderly from a categorical standpoint to say if it's a Hugo, it's because of length and everything at that length is open. We don't have any but any young discrimination. adult novels aren't differently length. No, no, than no. But what novels. what what I'm saying is the, <laughs> why don't I understand the Hugo? A young adult novel can qualify as a novel. It can qualify as a novella. Could qualify as a short story, okay. perhaps, and win a Hugo. And they're saying they we, we okay. don't want to change that. We don't want to say like, oh, well, you're now not nominated for a young adult Hugo, so you're not allowed to win the Hugo for best novel. So it's just because it's like a different category. Yeah, it's of- a different way of categorizing. So what they're saying is we just want all books that are this length to be competing for novel, whether they're young adult or not. Uh, we don't want to have to start excluding something because it got nominated for young adult and say, oh, well, now you can't win best novel. Well, then why just have a young adult? Why have a young adult category? Why not just call them novels and give them Hugos? That's what they do. And so what, why don't they just keep doing it? And that? what some folks are saying is, just like with the Campbell Award, where we say, okay, that's cool, but it'd be nice to recognize the people who are new, even if all they right, don't right. win, let's recognize okay. young adult. And... The, the convention has said, all right, sure, but what do we call that? Do we call it the rolling award? It just, I guess just to me it feels like they don't consider young adult novels to be in the Wow, same. I didn't think this was controversial until I tried to explain it to you. Because yes. uh, I, I don't think that's the motivation at all. I think the motivation... But it feels like that to me. I think the it motivation like not is... not worthy of being in a Hugo category. No, that's why the Hugos want it to be a separate thing, is because they're saying they're all qualified already to be Hugos, and sometimes they win Hugos, and we don't want to stop that. We don't want to ghettoize them. So let's make up a new award to recognize young adult fiction and then say you can still win a Hugo. Like somebody who writes a really good young adult novel could win this new young adult novel award and also win the Hugo Best Novel Award. Okay, I understand now. Because otherwise then they'd have to exclude it, and then it would be a problematic thing to me. I understand now. Okay. How many of the readers out there, listeners, have, have ripped out all their hair at this point? 
being like, God damn it, Belmont. Just what is your deal? I'm like, I'm on a lot of mucinex, okay? Yeah, That's right. My deal. I mean, do you know what that does to your mucus membranes? It's got like, it's got the DXM in it. It's got that stuff that the kids drink. Is it the one? The yeah. Buzzies. Is it the one you have to go to the pharmacist and show your driver's license to get? No, that's the one with, that's with the pseudofedrin. Uh, yeah, but there's a, there's a mucinex that you have to do that for too. Maybe it's, it's just because it has pseudofed in it. it. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it has the pseudofed. This doesn't have the pseudofed. This has the So you're not cooking mess out of it. In it. <clears throat> no, I do that with the Claritin D. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. It's a difference. Uh, so uh, where I was going to go with this uh, conversation originally is what should we call it? Oh, the award? Yeah, um, like Campbell is the is the best new author. The whinies? <laughs> the whinies. <laughs> Why the whinies? I don't know, because they're losing. Mm. I want my own. I'm being sorted into a different category, and now I have to go see. I thought it was because young adults. I like a boy. Because when we were teenagers, we were so whiny. I was super emo. Are you kidding me? I was so <laughs> whiny. I was so whiny. Uh, I was thinking the rolling would be good. The rolling? Yeah, after the- J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling? Mm, okay. It's, a, it's funny, though. Like, when you start saying it, you're like, I mean, I like the idea of naming it after J.K. Rowling. Maybe you don't, but I do. But it doesn't sound that good as an award name. <laughs> no, the Sad. rolling. Like, what would that statue also, look like? Also, the J.K. doesn't sound very good because then it's JK, like, oh, sorry, you got an award. give you an award. Just kidding. J.K. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, Tom. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you guys, if you guys want to uh, let us know on Twitter. Oh, you should, on, maybe um, the C.S. Lewis. The Lewis Award. Lewis Award's not bad. Lewis Award. It's got some religious yeah. overtones there. Some people won't mm-hmm. like, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, well, I think you guys should tell us what you think. Send us a tweet Tolkien. at Sword and Laser. Just go Hobbit. What you think the young adults, the Hobbit, the Hobbitses? The Hobbit Award. The Hobbit Award. That's not, a, that's not really a young adult novel, Tom. The Hobbit is. Is it? Yeah. Is Lord it of the Rings isn't, but The Hobbit is. Okay. Okay. I don't even know anymore. I've read such, I mean, you're, you're talking to the person whose dad gave her Cushiel's dart to read when she was 13. <laughs> so what do I know about young adult novels? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's fair. It's a fair point. I, no I mean, Lord of the Rings could be up. a young adult, but I don't think it's, I don't know. It explains so much. Cushiel's dart, huh? Good. Dude, yeah. He's like, I, I, I probably told the story. Time for you to grow time. up, Belmont. He was like, I was like, as an adult later, I'm like, why did you give me that? He's like, I thought you could handle it. I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh. See, he, he knew what he was talking about. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Got a cute little thread here that I thought was very sweet. We like to give out book suggestions from time to time. And, and recently we did horror suggestions. Um, not a fan of that necessarily. But Joss or Josie or Joe's said, hi guys, I'm looking for some good novels centered around wood elves, but can't really find anything apart from some children's books and of course, a Lord of the Rings, which I've read, obviously. I'm looking especially for more dark wood elves like those from Games Workshop before the age of Sigmar ridiculousness, if that means anything to anybody. Thanks, Joss. Um, A lot of good suggestions. The first one that came to my mind, actually, and uh, is the one that Josh in the thread recommended um, in Sylvan Shadows by R.A. Salvatore, 
which is set in the Forgotten uh, Realms world, uh, D and D settings, of course. So we're still, we're we're not not quite Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the but D and D was actually based on a lot of the world building for Lord of the Rings. So it makes sense that there would be similar elf like characters in there. Um, but it does have he goes on to say it does have uh, wood elves fighting a war against orcs and goblins and dark wizards. Not Warhammer level dark, but the series is pretty good. And Richard recommended a particular Dragonlance novel about a division of elves known as the Kagonesti, or Wild Elves. He says they don't play a major enough role in the most of the Dragonlance novels, but there is one book titled The Kagonesti by Douglas Niles that told the story of their history. And then John, a.k.a. Taloni, a longtime member of this audience, committed the internet foul of... I'm not going to answer your question, but I'm going to suggest something different that I think is cool. <laughs> and I only bring it up, not because I want to embarrass John, but because it actually sounds pretty cool. He says, randomly, and perhaps because I'm a little delirious from a cold, so you'll understand oh, this, hey-o. if you like the forest aspect, you might try the Warriors series of books. Those are not about wood elves, but rather cat tribes that live in a forest. You know who told me about the Warriors series? Uh, Brian Brushwood's daughters. Oh, really? Yeah, they. Uh, she's actually doing some. Uh, I, I can't remember which daughter. I'm sorry, Brian. Yeah. Um, I think it was. He can't Penny. tell them apart anymore. Either. But she was. She was telling me that she she drew like a comic of them. She did like fan fiction. Oh, basically. nice. And I thought that was pretty badass. Very cool. So, yeah, I I love cats, so I think I might have to check that one out myself. Uh, and then up next, we got a an email from Pobe who says, uh, sleuth, spies, and sorcerers. Hello again, another BBC update, this time TV or iPlayer rather than radio. Andrew Marr, the stalwart journalist presenter, who unfortunately had a stroke recently, um, is presenting a series on genre fiction entitled Sleuth, Spies, and Sorcerers. Uh, Pob is watching episode one of three right now on sleuths. Good so far, last episode of more interest, but should be on iPlayer if you have access. Yeah, um, so... UK folks or people visiting the UK uh, can can access that and uh, the rest of us can hope it makes its way across the waters but it sounds pretty interesting it does yeah I love I love stuff like that I love that kind of serialized like I don't I'm not sure it sounds like a documentary style thing which is is cool all right shall we get to our book of the month discussion Yes, so we're going to kick off, uh, we're going to mention uh, November's book pick, which Tom uh, facilitated via Patreon. Right, and okay. And then we will get into, oh, hold on, and then we'll get into a spoilery discussion of uh, The Gollum and the Genie by Helene Wecker. So. What? What? I went to Patreon what? and I said, hey, uh-huh. folks, sim- simple question. <clears throat> Do you want Slan by A.E. Van Vogt or Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits by David Wong? And the answer was overwhelmingly 100% Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits by David Wong. Because only two of you answered. <laughs> oh, so wow. So just saying okay. that when you hear me say this, or if you see your Patreon alert or an email come that says, hey, we're selecting the book, you may have a very good chance of having influence over what happens. Because even though we have quite a number of patrons out there. Over, over 600, like 600 yeah, patrons almost. Only two of them voted. Wow. This is like when I did that that San Francisco Giants Instagram mm. thing where they said they wanted a an Instagram, either a photo or a video of you playing catch in a creative way. Mm-hmm. And so I played catch with my dog and did a little video of it. 
And I was like, there's no way I'm going to win. There's going to be thousands of people applying. Yeah, seven people submitted <laughs> uh-huh. posts. Yeah. So we all won. I think we all went to the game. I think they were like, forget it. Yeah. Well, they can all just come. Nice. Why not? We've got this whole area. <laughs> and so it was great. So yeah, if, sometimes just just try. Why not? You may win something fun. Yeah. Um, but and, anyway. And and not that I am disappointed. This is, a, this is a very interesting book. I've already started in on it and I'm already intrigued by where it's going and slan is certainly not off the list because it didn't win this month it's still you know in my short list of things to consider for the future uh let's move on then and wrap up the golem and the genie i had no idea there are only two people I, that was that just came as a complete shock to me that's hilarious anyway um yes yeah, so the the golem the golem and the genie by helene wecker was our pick for october it was my selection i loved it I absolutely loved it. Um, I listened to the audiobook as I mentioned in the last episode. Man, my throat is really going now. My voice is dying. Yeah. <clears throat> you sound like George Guidal. Do I sound reading like Reading the Golem and the Genie. That's not what he sounds like. <laughs> but some people really did not like his read, and he is a very popular narrator who has read some very popular books, and I like him a lot, so I'm not quite sure why people didn't like him. Um, I, I thought it was uh, a good read, and and I thought the book was good, although they, there are other people with other thoughts. Yes, there absolutely are, um, and I understand a lot of these points. Uh, probably the main discussion thread uh, was the thoughts on the genie and the golem as characters, started by Tassie Dave, um, who said, uh, he said, what did he say? He's quoting another thread from Phil, who wrote, I really enjoyed this when I started, but I'm about a third through and seem to have hit a wall where I just don't care anymore. I don't find the genie particularly appealing and the golem has virtually no personality. I'll continue, but I'm finding it a bit of a slog. I keep seeing people compare it to the night circus, which I also didn't like all that much. I guess magic realism isn't my thing. And then Tassie Dave goes on to say, very minor spoilers, even the ones inside tags. Um, I agree early on that the genie... Ahmad is not a nice person, which is understandable as he has fallen so far and is used to being on his own and selfishly fulfilling his desires as he wants, whereas the golem, Hava, is learning her place in the world. I found the genie becomes more likable person uh, after he and Hava meet and start exploring the city. I always like the golem. She's more relatable. She starts out with very little personality, which is understandable as she is born before our eyes and has to learn the ways of the world. Yeah, I... I see it as a as a bit of a class tale. So the genie is a fallen royalty. He's the ruling mm-hmm. class, right? Genie like live above and separate from humans and feel that they are far superior, especially his level of genie right. who can create palaces out in the desert. So I don't see him as a bad guy. Uh, he is not a nice person. I, I agree with that, but he's not a nice person because he is used to a certain way of living. And to me, it's a very common trope of of the fallen royalty who's who's mm-hmm. trying to get used to the fact that he doesn't have all of in, in in the trope. It's usually I don't have all my servants and riches. In the genie's case, it's he doesn't have his powers, and so he can't just make things happen. And he he's like, ah, I have to live like humans. Like it just it just felt very much like a class tale there. Whereas Chava, she's I guess you could say she's a working class tale, but so is almost everyone in this book. Otherwise, uh, she's she's more of a of a tale of 
humanity of of trying to understand what it is to be human because she's not it's almost a pinocchio like tale yeah um brendan brought up a point that i did find kind of frustrating um he says quote why is everyone forgiving this genie so easily is a question i asked several times while reading the story there were lots of issues raised through his interactions with sophia in particular that i don't think were ever answered he goes on to say, like, am I crazy or did he give her some sort of genie venereal disease? No. <laughs> and this is basically never brought up by any other characters. So, yeah, my understanding was that she was pregnant with a baby yeah, genie. Yeah. And no and other characters knew that he did that. But he didn't even know he did that. Yeah. She never told him. Right. That kind of drove me nuts, actually. I wish they, there were so many opportunities for her to kind of say something. Um, well, not really so many opportunities, but... They were in her house at that end scene. Yeah. No, in the and end she scene. She could have mentioned something there. Do, doesn't doesn't it come out that that no. is what happened? I thought that I thought Hava says it. Did she? Yeah. I don't if she said it, I don't think he I don't think he ever really Well, knew. because okay, it, it was very Victorian the way Helene Wecker handled it. And mm-hmm. to the point that it is unclear if she actually had a miscarriage or an abortion. Because the doctor uh, tells the family, oh, it's just a yeah. thickening of the walls, but then leans into her and says, be more careful next time. No, 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 no. She definitely, I, I'm positive she miscarried. Okay. So he's just saying she that. She felt she, yeah, you know, he knew she miscarried. And so he's saying that because he knew what happened and he's yes. shielding the parents Correct. from what happened. Okay. That, that yeah. makes sense to me. No, she literally says she's standing there and she feels the light go out. Well, I was wondering if the doctor did it without no, her I permission, so. which could have been no. a very Victorian era thing to do. Okay. All right. No. I'll, no, that was, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but nah, I'm I, very positive that that's not what happened. I'll go, I'll go with you on that. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. And then she would want to hide it and then she would be affected by it. And then it does come out with Hava at the end. But I will agree with you that uh, we we don't we don't get a very good resolution to the end of Sophia and the genie. Like after all, we all know of that. is that like she she feels like she can now go off and do her own travels and be her own person, and she feels kind of like unlatched from that society that she had to function in. Before. Yeah, but I would have liked more between him and Sophia. Right. Because that felt like for a longest time, I'm like, so he just ditched Sophia. Like he never went back to check on her. And there were reasons why I get that. And so when we finally went back to her house at the end, I'm like, oh, this is why we've been saving it up for now. And then they really didn't have their moment to to talk about all of that. Right. Uh, and then in the in the epilogue, when you ha- see that Hava is walking down the street with a woman with, in a baby carriage, for a moment, I'm like, oh, is it Sophia? Did she have another child? Is that the re- is that going to be the res? No, it's Anna, of course. And I'm like, so we just don't. So Sophia just she's liberated now, I guess. She's. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I I thought that was a little strange. I wish I had a little more closure there. That would have been. That definitely would have been nice, but I'm glad that Sophia is off doing her thing. I never really know if she got warm again, though. Like, they never really said, like, was she cured of that? Like, that was very upsetting. Yeah. Um, My other question was, I don't really know what happened to Sala. Like, I, I feel like that final battle scene happened very quickly. Yeah. 
And I know that he was like, well, like, why am I here if I'm not going to get involved? Like, what else do I have to lose at this point? But he had just gotten everything back. He had just gotten his sanity and his ability to, like, function and be a doctor again. Like, all that was back. And he's just like, well, F it, I guess. I guess I'll just go jump in the middle of this. Which, no. of course, he had to because that was a story. Yeah, but, but I, I took it as him saying, if I go in there, I'm going to die. And I just got all my shit back together. Yes. Uh, and then saying but I finally have a chance to make my life mean something. And so I am old. I am near the end of my life. I've suffered. This is my chance to actually take a meaningful action for the first time in decades. And that, that's way, that's the way I felt was, it was him having a moment where he said, no, actually I'm not going to shy away because I've been shying away from humanity all my, you know, mm-hmm. for, for decades now. Like, I'm going to I'm going to take this risk. What do I have to lose? I'm an old man. I'm probably going to die soon anyway, even though I, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. I actually liked that, that scene. Okay. But what, but I don't really know. So how did Yehuda Shalma get back in the Kasala said the words. He said the words. He was able to understand and repeat the words. Remember, he repeats them to himself and he feels the the flattening. Oh. And, he, and so that's how you know, like, oh, he knows how to say it. And so he just says it out loud at Yehuda and in, okay. into the that's bottle with you. Right. Okay. I, 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 I was must a have little, missed the part where he said it. Yeah. I was a little confused that I, you could do it to a human. I was like, doesn't that yeah. just work on genies? But all right. Like, what do you just have to look like? Look, look intensely. I bottle you. To go into the bottle. I bottle you. Like, how do you, how do you, why did the golem not end up in the bottle? How many could fit in there? Why did Ice Cream Sala not end up in the bottle? Right. I don't know. How do you direct that kind of thing? No kidding. Yeah. No, so many questions on the mechanics of how that works. So I had some questions there. But overall, I really liked it. There were a few comments on the forums of people thinking that things came together a little too neatly. Mm. Like it was a little bit. It was a little bit too neat and clean that that Shalma ended up at the boarding house where Michael worked, where the rabbi was his <laughs> uncle, who had the golem, who was taking care of him. And then all this yeah. stuff came together very neatly. Yeah, no. But and someone else- I get it, man. Like, sorry, I'm you, forgetting your name. Usually, they, golem and genie just kind of wander around without meeting in, yeah. in real life. But I liked how someone in the forum said that, like, you know, magic attracts magic. Uh huh. And so, like, if they said, like, if you have, if you get, have a brush with magic, you'll probably run into it again. I'm so sorry. I, I'm not crediting you, listener. I saw it and then I closed the tab. I apologize. Um, but I thought that was really that, it, and it made sense. And I mean, and that's what a story is. These things, these these series of happenstance coming together and and making a tale. I mean, yeah. Maybe this just isn't your kind of story, and that's perfectly mm-hmm. fair, and I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. But if your only criticism is, you know, I thought everything was great, except it just felt unbelievable that they would all end up in Manhattan. It's like, really? Like, every step that led them there made sense, given that Gola and Genie and and magic reincarnated wizards exist like that would be the hard part to get past like if all of that is true and all of these things can happen then everything that happened to bring them together 
seems likely. And you may look at it at the end and go, well, that looks too neat. But the process that got them there all made sense. There was never a part where like, wait a minute, why? So she just did that to get him to come there. Like, he made the Gola and then he wanted to find out about it. So he decided to go to New York. Like, that that all and fit he ended for up me. in the place where where the right because the, he's where, from where the Jewish people because he's from the same from. region so that's gonna yeah. happen yeah yeah totally so I, I I loved it though I thought it was really a really great book yeah and I'm you know me I actually have a real soft spot for the Victorian uh, literature and this definitely has even though it's turn of the century not really necessarily Victorian it's got that Victorian to it uh, and here we go here we go even though it's fantasy visiting New York of the 1800s oh again. Gosh. Is this our third one? Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. That's a fantastical time, apparently. Or early 1900s, I guess, is where most of it takes place. But but still, yeah. I don't know what's pulling us that way. Hmm. Mm, magic, Must perhaps. be genies. I, I worked with a mentalist this weekend. You worked with I the mentalist? No, I worked with a mentalist. Oh, just a, not the guy from the TV show. And man, magic is real. Let me tell you, I was blown away. Yeah, you've met Brian Actually, Brushwood, I was though. trying to explain the, the whole show to Ryan, like the mentalist show. Uh-huh. And he was like, and I was like, wow, it was so, like, I don't know how he did it. It was bad, so magical. And he's like, listen, Veronica, you either, you live in one of two worlds. Either you saw the show and you're like, that's cool. I wonder how he did this trick. Or you saw the show and said, that's cool. Magic is real. <laughs> He's like, you can't live in both. And I was like, mm, yes, I can. Yeah. No, I'll defy you with magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My throat is, I am in pain now, so I have to stop. Okay. Yes. So can no. Can you read the rest of the stuff? Absolutely. No problem. Okay. Uh, I hope folks enjoyed the genie and the golem. It was really good uh, for us. And uh, I hope you like Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits by David Wong as well. But if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, That's why we do a book club, so we can all share our honest opinions about it. Uh, And our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. In fact, we have uh, new rewards for people at the upper level. The monthly silliness show is now available to the folks at the $10 an episode level. And the folks that were paying uh, the higher level to get the monthly silliness still get the monthly silliness, but now get something called Lem's Library. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea is once a month, you can look into a spreadsheet uh, of books that we have received at the Sword and Laser offices and have one mailed to you. Uh, So you're getting something a little extra for your 20 bucks there per episode. Um, And we have that spreadsheet being created today Mm -hmm. and it should be coming to folks in Patreon shortly. So keep an eye out for that as well. If you're already at that level, uh, maybe if you have emails off particularly, you'll want to look in and see that. Uh, And the way it works is you get one a month and we mail it to you. That's it. There's some other rules in there too, but... Yeah, you can pay it forward or just keep it forever. Yeah. Whatever you like. Yeah. Uh, we, we we ask that you don't sell the book. Don't Maybe don't sell it. We can't stop yeah, most you. Most of them are arcs but and they ask not to be sold. It's anyway, kind of but. like, you know, like if you can't use the book anymore, give it to someone else who can. It's the, mm-hmm. the idea is the library goes on forever. You just keep lending it out. Lem's Library. Yeah. You can also support the show by buying books through our, oh, by the way, patreon.com slash sword and laser. If you're out there going like, I, I don't know where to sign up, patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, yeah, I actually 
want to uh, to welcome and thank people, but I didn't I didn't pull that up. So big thanks to everybody who has backed us. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash pick. Uh, review us on iTunes, which means gives us give us five stars mm-hmm. and then write the name of your favorite uh, hobbit. You don't have to actually write a review. Uh, but giving us a five-star rating on iTunes or any podcast directory helps us out. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. Go join the Goodreads group. If you haven't done that yet, goodreads.com. Look for Sword and Laser. And we have a phone number that sometimes we um, get messages from and if you'd like to call it and just say like hey veronica are you really checking this call 415-7-SWORD-6 we'll see you next time this is fun it's like listening to the show bye Audio program so good, it's like you're there!